0: Welcome to episode 291 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is a podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to ask an unasked question and talk about being blue. Let's dive in. Over the last two episodes, I've been playing messages from two of my good friends and mentors, Eric Ludi, and Stephen Manley. And I had mentioned in those previous episodes that just over these last couple of weeks, I've been in the middle of conferences and, and doing some speaking and there's just a lot swirling. And so I just thought it'd be fun to go back into the archives and play some of my favorite messages from Eric and Steven. And so I wanted to do this one more time. Um, We're gearing up for a big conference this weekend, and so just to kind of depressurize at least one area of my life, um, thank you for hanging on with me as we're listening to some great sermons rather than just doing our normal uh, podcast episodes. But that being said, I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this message. Um, I mentioned Stephen Manley in the last episode, but Stephen has just had a huge spiritual impact on my life, and God has used him greatly in so many ways and I played the message Obsessed in the last episode. It's this incredible message with some great illustrations about what does it mean to be obsessed with Jesus. Well, if you were to ask me just kind of off the cuff, Nathan, give me one of your all-time favorite sermons, I'll likely mention either Obsessed, which probably is my number one, or I'll mention this one, which I lovingly call the Blue Sermon. The actual title is The Unasked Question, and I It took me probably 10 years and I was realizing, I don't even know why is it even called the unasked question. And so I called Stephen up one day and I says, why did you call this sermon this? And he thought he's like, oh, that's a good question. And he goes, oh, I I got it. It's in Acts chapter one and the disciples have come to Jesus and they've asked him a question. Is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I think it's Acts chapter one, verse six. And Jesus in verse seven says, guys, you've missed it. That is the wrong question. And in verse eight, which is that thundering passage about the fact that the Holy Spirit will come and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Stephen says, do you recognize that Jesus is actually answering the question they should have been asking? And so that's why it's called the unasked question. All that being said, this message, which, again, I call the Blue Sermon, is this profound idea of what does it look like to be a man or a woman who allows the Spirit of God to radically transform your life, so much so that you become blue. It'll make more sense as you listen to the message. So without further ado, I'm super excited. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Stephen talks about this idea of the unasked question or What does it mean to be blue? Into uh, Acts chapter 1, we want to go back there tonight and uh, want to look again at uh,
1: verse 7 and 8, and especially at verse 8 tonight. We'd like to get into the uh, content of verse 8 and actually look at the words themselves. And again, we're going to begin reading at verse 4. You'll remember the context of this whole scene is the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He has, of course, been uh, with them for 40 days, according to verse 3. And he's been spending all of his time talking to them about uh, the things pertaining to the kingdom of God as it's stated at the end of verse 3. He's given them infallible proofs of his resurrection, 40 days of it. That'd be a phenomenal experience, wouldn't it? Then he gathers them together for the last time. It's probably the 40th day and he's going to have a conversation with them. And as he begins to speak to them, you'll note he says these things in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Reading verse 8 again. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Phenomenal verse, isn't it? have no idea or no way uh... to tell you the significance of verse eight it's like uh... it's in neon flashing sign it's like uh... it's kind of the thing you put on a plaque and put in the hallway or the foyer of the church It's kind of a mission statement of the entirety of the book of acts uh... it's underscored in fact any bible commentary you want to go to will tell you that verse eight is the table of contents of the entirety of the book of acts that if you want to know what the index is, you want to know what he's going to write about, it's the summary statement, it's the content table of contents, for he's going to take what he's saying in verse 8 and he's going to spill it through the rest of the book and it forms the sections of the book as he begins to write. It is an overwhelming verse. He literally has reached into uh, the whole book of Acts and shrunk it down to one entire dynamic overwhelming statement. See, verse 8 becomes the lens through which you see the entirety of the rest of the book of Acts. See, if you don't understand verse 8, you'll misinterpret the book of Acts. If you get what verse 8 is all about, if you see the concept, if you understand what he's saying in verse 8, hey, the whole rest of the book just begins to flow. It all comes together. See, you never could get off on church growth strategies. You never could get off on, oh, we'll have house churches because that's the way they did it in the early days. See, you'd never get off on that if you understood verse 8 because he's not writing about church growth strategies. He's writing about the dynamic of the moving of the Spirit of God himself. And the whole concept of verse 8 becomes really, really important to us. In fact, you understand that legalism never could have survived, man. It would have died if we'd understood verse 8. It would never started if we'd understood verse 8. See, verse 8 is the key. Somehow he's reached out and grabbed a hold of everything that's going on in the book of Acts and he just boiled it down. It's a magnification of everything he wants to say. How can I explain it to you? You get out of the store, you know, and you buy this uh, orange juice stuff or grape, juice, uh, grape uh, stuff. It's, it's in the concentrate. It's frozen. It's in the concentrated form. Hey, you don't drink that, man. You put water with it. Hey, he's going to add the water, son. Verse 8 is the frozen stuff, brother. Verse 8 is the concentrated. Verse 8 is what you got to get into when you get into verse 8. Whoa, you get the real flavor of what he's going to tell you in the whole rest of the book. And it just begins to unfold. The concept we talked about it last night what's the concept oh that's easy the concept is simply a shift from the disciples and what they're going to do to whoa god is acting it's a shift from their talent their ability well aren't they something to whoa isn't god something look what he's doing it's a shift from their ability to his ability from their talent to the divine action of the talent of god himself See, it's a shift from trying, struggling, well, come on, over to, whoa, turn loose, is it God? Wow, this is beyond us. See, it's a shift from uh, attempting, sweating it out, kicking a couple times, whip up an old crowd, man. Give them a new challenge to, whoa, look what's happening. It's, it's, it's effortless. Don't you like that word? Oh. Wouldn't you like to have a Christianity that's just, whew, effortless? How you doing today? Oh, effortless. <laughs> Relaxed. Yeah, just effortless. See, that's all altogether different than straining, trying, struggling. Well, I'm hanging on. Well, I hope I make it. Well, I I pray that I'll make it to the bitter end. I hope it comes quick. See, it's, it's it's a shift from that to, whoa, hang on, because God is moving, God is acting, and it isn't about me anyhow, it's about him and what he's doing and the dynamic of all that he is. See, you see that everywhere in the book. Do you realize that in this book, the disciples are not told to go Well, didn't they go? Oh, brother, did they go. They went everywhere and in 70 years won their whole world. But they weren't told to go. Well, what happened? They were told to, wait! 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 And in waiting, they went. How do you figure that out? Because when you wait, you go. Well, you can't do that. If you wait, you wait, you go, you go. No, if you wait, you go. In going, you don't go, you wait. See, the whole thing is backwards. It's the backwards kingdom, isn't it? Because you see, in waiting, somehow, something begins to happen to you inside where you just can't help yourself, and you just have to go, and you have to win your world, and it begins to burn within you, and you can't keep from doing it. See, that's the emphasis. Do you know in this book they weren't told to, well, develop good sermons. Hey, go to a seminar on speaking. Hey, develop your communication skills. They weren't told that. Well, didn't they preach? Oh, brother, did they preach, man. Peter preached a sermon, 3,000 got saved. Woo, what a sermon. Hey, boy, did they preach. But see, they weren't told to preach. They de- in fact, did you know they spoke in languages they didn't even know? How would they do that? See him? And in 70 years, they had communicated the gospel to the entirety of the world until Christianity became the world religion. How do you explain that? That's the concept of the book. See, they weren't told to do. Oh, didn't they do? Whoa, did they do. They were active, man. They were into everything and every place and everybody. I mean, they were all over the place, but they weren't told to do. See, nobody told them, now organize, get a 501c3 so you can get a tax break. Hey, develop a good parking lot. That always helps. See, they weren't told that, but didn't they do that? Yes, they did that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just that, it's just kind of, it just, well, that was just, that wasn't their focus. It was, well, they did that, but that wasn't, uh, somehow it was him and it just all began to It's the concept. It's verse 8. Wow, what a verse. Now, you'll remember the whole thing spills out of verse 6. The question is, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, you remember the the focus of the question is on when and now, and Jesus then gives the answer. In verse 7, he begins with, hey, when and now is none of your business. And then verse 8 begins with, but, and verse 8 is, this is your business. See, verse 7 is not your business. Verse 8 is your business. Get your nose out of verse 7. Get your nose into verse 8. Hey, don't spend any time on winning now in verse 7. Spend all your time in verse 8. See, pack your bags, brother, move out of verse 7, and camp. I mean, literally move in, let your whole weight down on verse 8, because verse 8 is where you are to live, not verse 7. Verse 8. We want to spend some time tonight analyzing the words of verse 8. Now, you'll notice, this is really exciting, you'll notice there is a two parallel statements. Did you notice? Verse 8. But you shall receive power. You shall be witnesses. Parallel statements. Got it? You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses. Hey, the whole verse hangs on those two parallel statements. Everything revolves around that. You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses. And did you notice that sandwiched between those two parallel statements, there's this overwhelming statement that says when the holy spirit has come upon you so everything in the in the verse revolves around you shall receive power you shall be witnesses revolves around this when the holy spirit has come upon you everything flows out of that that's the center point of the two statements Wow. let's look at those three statements number one you shall receive power now, we went over this last night, but I want to remind you again that Luke, I don't know if this upsets some of you or not, but Luke didn't write the words you're looking at. Those are English words. He didn't know English. He wrote in Greek. So when you look at the original language of the Bible, you shall receive is one word, one Greek word, not three, one Greek word. And guess what it is. Future indicative. Whoa, this is exciting, isn't it? Future indicative. You know what the indicative means? Simple statement of fact. Hey, not going to argue with you. Hey, this is not up for debate. Put your hand down. We're not going to vote on this at District Assembly. This is not up for grabs. This is not under discussion. I'm telling you straight up. This is a statement of assurance. You can count on this. You can go to the bank on this, son. This is absolute certainty. Hey, let your whole weight down on this one. You shall receive simple certainty statement of fact. It's the way it is. Jesus is speaking. You shall receive. Now, we should have already known that. The reason is because he's already framed this statement. He's already talked about this statement in terms of, well, go back to verse 4. Promise Of the Father do you see it there but wait for the promise of the Father then as he begins to develop the idea of the promise of the Father he explains it in verse 5 in terms of John baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit what's baptized with Holy Spirit promise of the Father now he goes on and explains it further you shall receive power which all relates back to promise of the Father now, this is really exciting because there are two different Greek words in the New Testament that we translate into the English word promise. Obviously, the one that's used in verse 4 is one of those words, but there's another one. Let me talk about the other one. You remember when uh, Herod Antibus, yeah, he had this wild party. You read about it. Yes, he had this wild party, and they lounged when they ate in that day, which I think is really a neat idea. But they lounged when they ate, and they were about half drunk, which wasn't a good idea, of course. But they were about half drunk, and uh, oh, all the dignitaries were there from all the other nations, you know, and Herod had thrown this big wing ding. And as they were all lounging there, and about half drunk, uh, Herod leaned up, and uh, he called for his wife, who wasn't really his wife, but was his mistress, was really his brother's wife, which is how John the Baptist got into trouble, because he'd preached on that kind of thing. Remember all that. And she had a daughter. Teenage daughter. And Herod Antipas leaned up and said, Hey, send your teenage daughter out here and let her dance for us. And if she pleases us, I promise to give up half of my kingdom to her. Promise. Now that word that's used there is different than this word here. Not the same. See, you look at it in the English. Oh, promise of Herod. Promise of God. No, these are two different deals going on here, folks. Let me tell you about this Herod promise thing. Herod's promise is, oh, then she came here, remember, and said, What I want is, I don't want half your kingdom. What I want is the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And Herod, oh, he turns green and says, Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, why did I make that promise? Oh, everybody's looking at me. Oh, peer pressure. Oh, I guess I'll have to. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, this is awful. This will keep me up several nights. And he He begrudgingly, he didn't, he he had to, he didn't, well, I guess I promised. See, that's that word. But see, this word that's used here, promise of the Father, you know what this word means? This word means, I want to see this promise of the father is i can hardly wait to do this this promise of the father is i'm i'm strategizing i'm manipulating i'm planning i'm counting i'm aching i'm longing because i really really want to do this see this is not oh man no this is whoa see this is oh brother won't he ever quit this is whoopee catching on? See, this promise of the Father is, I want to do this for you. This promise of the Father is, I long, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm just anxious for the very moment I can get this done in your life. This promise of the Father. See, I'm convinced that people don't get saved at altars. They get saved the minute they step out of their pew because God can't wait. (laughs) See, He longs to give us victory. He wants you to be all you can be. He wants everything He dreamed for you. He wants to pour See, God's not teasing us. God's not dangling carrots in front of our nose. God's not, this is not hide and seek, folks. We're not playing some kind of a game. See, God is anxious. God's heart is wide open. God longs to make you victorious. God wants your family to be whole. God longs for you to be adequate. God wants all the strength of His presence to roar through you. God wants you to march in your day with your head high. God wants you to walk in. Victory. God wants you to be what you ought to be. God died for God died for that. God wants see, He's anxious, He's longing. Hey, if you open the door one inch, man, He's gonna jam His foot in it. You can count on. It. Hey, you give him half a chance, he'll make a scene out of you. If you just barely open to Him, He's gonna be all over you. He desires Promise. So you're not surprised when He comes and says, Statement of fact, man. You don't need to worry about this. You don't need to worry. He will, he won't, he will, he won't. You don't need to worry that. He will! You shall receive! You can count on it! You can go to the bank on it, I'm telling you. Wow. You shall receive power. Now again, we're into this framework thing. That is the way you think. See, when I say power, you have a way that you think about power, you have a, you have a, a cont- context, you have, you have thoughts. See, we think in our world, oh, power. Oh, he knows the general superintendents. Oh, power. <laughs> it's a bad example. Uh, power. Uh, you know, there's power. There's all this power. Uh, so we think in those terms. Now you're going to have to get out of that because when you come biblically to the book of Acts, the idea of power is altogether different. In fact, here's what's so startling. As you come to the book of Acts and you begin to walk through this, you know what you discover? Power and the Spirit of Jesus are the same. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, they're the same. In fact, go through the book of Acts. Every place you see Holy Spirit, strike it out and put power there. It works. Every place you see power, strike it out. Put Holy Spirit there. It works. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Jesus and, and power, Spirit of Jesus and power are equated. They're equal. They're, they're interchangeable terms. So when we're talking about power, we're talking about Jesus and the fullness of the presence of Jesus living within you and dynamically flowing through you. So they're equated. So literally he's saying, you shall receive the fullness of the Spirit of Jesus. Don't you think it's interesting that the disciples, when the Holy Spirit came to live in them, didn't say, whoa, this is a new person. Who's this? We'll have to get acquainted. It was like when the Holy Spirit came and lived within them, they said, whoa, I know you. And they didn't see any difference between the Jesus they'd walked with for three years and the Jesus that had now come to live within them. Except that one place he was out, the other place he's in. But it was the same person. And it was like they'd known him all this time. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And they're equated. It's phenomenal, truth. You know that the word power here is where we get our English word power dynamite. You've heard that. Preachers say that all the time. It's where we get our English word dynamite from this Greek word. And it, it by nature, this word, you shall receive power. By nature, it, it's explosive in its nature. It's, it's, it's measurable. I think it's really fantastic because in the gospel writers, in the, in the gospels as they wrote, they, they took this word in reference to Jesus and translated it, mighty deeds, Love that Jesus came into town and did mighty deeds. (laughs) Yeah, I shook the place up. Yeah, we talked about it in the pyramid, I mean, Jesus comes into town. What does he do, man? He stomps into a cemetery, two men filled with demons. Hey, hey, he cleanses those legions. Hey, you're out of here, man. If they go into pigs, pigs run down the aisle, run down the, down the aisle and run into the, in, in, into the lake. And, and they drown themselves in the sea. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're dead. 2,000, there was 2,000, 2,000 pigs floating. Whoa and hard to, hard to cover that up 2,000 isn't it interesting that pigs can't tolerate what people will put up with 2,000 pigs couldn't stand it drown themselves can you imagine how the town folks felt I mean Jesus comes and holds one meeting only got two converts cost us 2,000 I mean our entire budget for the year wiped out He exploded the place. Why couldn't Jesus just come in and preach like normal preachers and just kind of, you know, and we could yawn our way through it and say, oh, good services. Why does he have to come in and shake the place up? Why does he have to do it? Because, see, it's what he is. It's who he is. It's it's power. It's, you can't stop him, you see. When he comes, it's explosive in nature. When he comes, it, it disrupts. When he comes, it upsets. When he comes, there there's disturbance. When he comes, he, he messes things up. When he comes, it's, it's no longer routine. When he comes, it's no longer traditional. When he comes, you sure you want him to come here I mean he's gonna make some folks mad do you realize that when yeah, you go, down, you go down to Bethlehem, man. Go down to Bethlehem and the surrounding districts. And moms and dads are wailing at the top of their lungs. Why? Two-year-old boys and younger have just been slaughtered. Roman soldiers came in, grabbed a hold of them by the heel, threw them against the wall. Why did that happen? Jesus has been born. See, if you're looking for the Holy Spirit to come, if you're looking for the Spirit of Jesus to come, everything smooths out. No, it's. See, I thought Jesus would come and peace, joy, tickles up and down my spine, shorter nose. I thought, whoa, this is it. <laughs> Didn't happen. Upset, trouble, disturbance, messes up my life. Change. You ready for that? You shall receive power. Now, it's really interesting. When you go to the Greek uh, dictionary, which is a lexicon, and, and you look up this word power, every one of them says the same thing. Doesn't matter which one you look up. They all say the same thing. They say that this word, this particular word that's used right here, is inherent, an inherent power. Residing within a thing by virtue of its nature. Let me give that to you again. They say that this word that you use right here is an inherent power. And it resides within a thing by virtue of its nature. Now, how can I explain that to you? See, this power is not something you have. This that power is not an instrument you get. This power is not something that's attached. This is not This power is not like, I got a gun in my hand. I got the power. See, I can make you do anything I want you to do. I can put you on your face. I can take your money, man. I can make you stand on your head. I got the power. Oh, no. Somebody took away my gun. I lost my power. That's not this word. See, he's not talking about, oh, God is going to give you a gun in your hand and you're going to have this amazing... I wish it was that way. See, if the power of God was a gun in my hand, see, I could pick it up when I come to church, bring it to church, and I could zap who I want to zap. Heal who I want to heal. I could use it. I could charge you 150 bucks per touch. Because <laughs> I got the. But see, what he's talking about is not something you get, it's something that gets you. Not something you possess, something that begins to possess you. Not something that you can master and control. Something that comes and masters and controls you. And what is it? It's him. Hey, it's him. And you don't dictate to him. He comes and dictates to you. And it becomes a part of the very inner nature of your being until it so possesses you that you're under the control and you're being used by this power. My favorite color is blue, by the way. you got this bowl in this bowl is blue dye blue dye here's a colorless cloth yeah colorless cloth you take this colorless cloth and you submerge it into the blue dye in fact, you poke it down, hey, you let it soak, just leave it for a while. It soaks, it's there. Hey, it's just, it's just in the blue dye, you know. It's, in fact, you can't even see it now. And then you reach down and you, and you stir it up a little. And, and then you grab a hole of this cloth, this colorless cloth. It's been in the blue dye. You reach down, you, pull, you grab a hold of the edges of it, you pull it up, and whoa, this cloth is blue. In fact, it's dripping blue. Now, you correct me, of course, and say, no, no, the cloth is not blue. The cloth is colorless it's the dye that's blue I say no you're wrong this cloth is blue you say no you're not getting this the cloth is not blue the cloth is colorless it's the dye that's blue and I'll look you right in the eye and say you just try to take the blue out of this cloth (laughs) because you see something has happened See the blue dye has so intertwined itself into the fibers of the being of the cloth that the blue the blue dye has gone so deep the blue dye has just so become so interchanged the blue dye has just gotten all messed up the blue dye is just so penetrated the blue dye has just gotten so it just this cloth is blue you can't get it out of there well the cloth is not blue yes it is blue well not exactly blue it was the dye that was blue but the cloth is now blue because well the the, the, the cloth doesn't have the blue dye the blue dye has the cloth Can you imagine? God picks me up by my ears and submerges me, whoa, into the blue dye of his presence. <laughs> leaves me, just stand in there, boy. Leaves me in there for a while. And then he comes along, picks me up by the ears. and Whoa, this boy is blue. He's blue all over. Well, I'm trying to be blue. No, 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 no. You don't try to be blue. You're just blue, man. In fact, everywhere you walk, whoa, a little blue left there. Hey, I grab a hold of your hand say, sorry for the blue. <laughs> yeah. Hey, rub against him. Whoa, blue all over you, man. Everywhere he goes, there's blue, man. He's just blue, blue, blue. He gets up, blue, he goes to bed blue he thinks blue he is blue no he's not blue it's the blue that's within him and the blue is literally wouldn't it be something to be possessed that's what he's talking about you shall receive you're filled with the Holy Spirit trying to be
0: no no no,
1: no. Well, it was yesterday. <laughs> no, no, you're not getting this. This is, whoa, I'm blue all over and I can't help it. See, it's a whole different way of thinking. You shall receive power. Parallel statement. You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses. Hang on now. Greek language. You shall be. You shall receive One word, you shall receive. One word, you shall be. You shall receive. One word, future indicative. You shall be. One word, future indicative. (laughs) That stuff really turns me on, man. Yeah, future indicative. See, it's a simple statement of fact. Remember that? Simple statement of fact. He's saying, as surely as you shall receive, so surely you shall be. I'm telling you, as certainly as you're going to receive, you can count on it. Hey, we're not going to vote. Put your hand down. This is not, hey, we're not going to vote on our district assembly. Not up for debate. You shall receive. And I'm telling you, you shall be. It's the way it is. You shall receive. You shall be. You can count on it. Just relax. It's going to happen. You shall receive. You shall be. It's the way it is. Now, here's what really intrigued me. You shall be future, future tense. But if you go to the New Testament, you will find the same identical, oh, get this, same identical word, not future tense, present tense, but same word. Here it's future tense. But what I'm going to explain to you is present tense, but it's the same word. The same identical word that's used here in verse 8 for you shall be is the same identical word that's used for the I am's of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus stood and said, I am the way. What do you mean by that? Well, he was going to tell us the way. Well, he did. He was going to show us the way. He did. But he meant more than that because not only did he tell us the way and not only did he show us the way He was the way I want to go to the kingdom. How do you get there? Jesus because he's the way He's not a road sign. Well, he is a road sign. He doesn't tell us. Well, he does tell us. He doesn't show us. Well, he does show us. But he himself is the way. And what he shows us is himself because he's the way. And it isn't something he does. It's something that he is. In fact, if you want to go to the kingdom, Jesus is the way. Well, when I get to the kingdom, how will I know I'm in the kingdom? Jesus, because he is the kingdom. Now, wait a minute. You're telling me that Jesus is the kingdom and he's the way to the kingdom. So when I'm on the way, I'm already there. That's right, because he's both. He's all of it. It's what he is. I am the way. Jesus could stand and say, I am the lamb. (gasps) You mean he's the sacrifice? Oh, yeah. Jesus is the sacrifice for the sins of the world, your sins. Jesus is the sacrifice. Oh, good. Who's the high priest? Jesus is the high priest. Oh, you mean he's the one that's offering the sacrifice? Yeah. Oh, you mean he is the sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is he the one that's accepting the sacrifice. Yeah. So he's the one who's offering the sacrifice. He's the one who is the sacrifice. And he's the one who's accepting the sacrifice. That's right. Sounds to me like he's the whole thing. Yeah, it's who he is. I am the lamb. Jesus could stand and say, I am the bread. Oh, you mean he's going to give us some deed? Right. Yeah, he's feeding us. You mean he's going to tell us where to get it? That's right. He did. Told us exactly where to get it. He told us where to get it. He furnished it for us. But it's more than that because when you bite into it, it tastes like him because he's the bread. it's who he is I could go on and on with it I am the life I am the truth you mean Jesus is gonna tell us the truth yes you mean he's gonna write the truth yes you mean he's gonna point the direction of the truth yes and when he tells us the truth what does he tell us himself because he is the truth and what he's talking about is himself and he turned to the guys in the New Testament the New Testament days and said hey if you'd believe the Old Testament you'd believe me because the Old Testament was all about me because I am He's the whole deal. I am the truth. I got a little jealous about Jesus. Because he has all of these I ams. Listen. Them. I am, I am, I am, I am. And I'm glad for him. I want him to have them all. It's good. But I didn't have one. Not one. See, I'm not the bread. I can tell you where to get it, but I'm not the bread. Hey, I'm not the truth. I can tell you a little truth once in a while, but I'm not the truth. I'm not the way. See, I'm not... I'm not all the I am's. He's got all of them. He's got all these I am's. I don't have one. I'd like to have one. I finally got my one right here. I am witness. Oh, you mean you do Witnessing well yeah but that's not what i really mean oh you mean you you went to a seminar and you learned yeah well i did that but that's not exactly what i'm talking about oh you mean you know the four spiritual laws well i do know those but that isn't exactly no it's not well it's i am i can't help myself it's just who i am i not only do witnessing i not only speak witnessing i not only act witnessing i am witnessing i'm blue all over and i can't help it you get around me and you're gonna get blue son i get up witnessing i go to bed witnessing i drive down the road witnessing everything i do witnessing i walk into my job witnessing it flows out of me because it's just i can't help myself i'm just blue all over that's what he's talking about man how could you ever be like that I mean, you'd have to think about it all the time. You'd have to strain and concentrate. You'd have to... No, no. You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. <laughs> oh! Oh! this doesn't have anything to do with me well you're involved well this is not really my talent well that's right but you do have talent and he'll use it well this doesn't have to do anything to do with intelligence praise the Lord yeah you're right you can be dumb and still get in on this one Woo! hey you mean you don't have to be good-looking yeah praise the Lord for that too huh? yeah see no this is not about because this is you shall receive you shall be when when all of this is going to happen when when what when the Holy Spirit comes upon you now you got to see this this in the Greek language when the Holy Spirit has come upon well, let's look at the words has come upon has come upon now if you actually saw that in the Greek language the words has come is one Greek word and it means has come but it has a prefix to the word Oh, I lost you. Let me give it to you. See, has come upon. Three words. Has come upon. If you look at the word has come, one word in the Greek language, has a prefix. Guess what the prefix is? Upon. And then the word upon is over here by itself again. A second time. So it's in the word it has come as a prefix and then it's over here by itself So a literal translation would, would be like this? It would read when the Holy Spirit upon has come upon See it's an emphasis. Do you see that? It's an emphasis. He wants to be sure that you know, it's upon That all of this takes place upon when the Holy Spirit upon that this is about upon Well, when I get my act together no no upon well well, when I grow two inches no upon this is all when I get done with a seminar no upon oh when I get done with a ministerial studies course no upon this is all about upon everything hangs upon the whole deal is upon that the big need is upon That everything else is okay. Yeah, learn to take a breath before you go witnessing. That's okay. But a bond is really the deal. I'm sick to death of the study of personality types. Sick of it. Maybe you're into it, I don't know. But I'm tired of it. Personality types. He's a type A. Oh, God could really use him. You know, a guy comes to our service on Sunday morning. He's got on a $1,000 suit. Yeah, He's got an eel leather covered wallet that flips out $20 bills into the offering plate. We all stand there. Whoa, God could really use him. Whoa, look at him. He's so sharp. Did you hear her sing? Whoa, they told me he taught a Sunday school class in the last place. PhD, doctor. God couldn't really use him. Man, he's he's sharp. What about that guy over there? Yeah, holes in his tennis shoes. Yeah, did you get close to him? God could really use this guy, couldn't he? I don't care if he comes back or not. God can really... But see, this is not about any of that. This is about... Upon. Some of you who are over 95 will remember the story. Yeah, a short guy from Texas, you know. Yeah, from Texas, man. Had a bandana around his neck. Tobacco juice coming out of the chin, out of his mouth, running down his chin. Yeah, a little scuzzy, you know, little yeah, not too clean. Hey, hat, cowboy hat on his head, man. Fifth of whiskey in his hip pocket. Hey, a deck of cards. Yeah, had a gun strapped to his side. Yeah, and when you asked him what his name was, you couldn't understand him. Why? Because he had this, he had this, he had this lisp, you know. He just he couldn't even talk, man. Couldn't even talk. He couldn't understand what the guy said. Hey, he was filled, but God took a guy like that. How could God use a guy like that? Because it's not about him and it's not about his p- talent. And it's not about his personality. It's about a bond. And God took a guy like that, raised him up, and made him Uncle Bud. And he shook a hole in this movement. Because what? This is about A bond. A bond. A bond. Can you imagine what God could do? With you. Well, Brother Manley, I'm a senior adult, and I got arthritis, and, you know, can you imagine what God could do with you if he could come upon? Well, but Brother Manley, I'm a, I'm a teenager, and I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that's true. But hey, if God could come upon you, if God could come upon you, think of it. Just think of it. Well, but you don't understand, man. I'm just in the prime of life, son. I got three jobs going and I'm, and I'm already contracting for this other deal. And I I work 14 hours a day and you don't understand. I got this family and I got, and I got, I got. You just don't understand what could happen if God could come upon, upon. See, this is a call to the yielding up and the giving up of all reliance on anything except him. See, I'm absolutely convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that one thing God is constantly doing in my life is stripping me down until He's removing everything in my life I count on, except Him. That may be what's going on in our day in the church because we're losing ground fast in the evangelical church in the United States. And do you understand that maybe God is stripping us down of all, and we've got everything, we've got publishing houses, we've got best church buildings, we've got the best parking lots, we've got the best talented preachers, we've got education, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got, and He's stripping us down, Say, none of that really matters when you come down to bottom line. It's all good and God can use it if He can get it. But hey, He's stripping us down until nothing really counts. But is He coming upon? Is He upon? Is He upon? Is He upon? Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to look yourself in the eye. Don't look me in the eye. Look yourself in the eye. Say. Say to yourself, man, I'm blue all over. (laughs) I can't help it. You shall receive. You shall be. Goodbye, Jesus. Oh don't let me miss it. I don't want you as an intellectual fact. Come on, Jesus. I don't want you as an intellectual fact. Come on, come on, Jesus. I don't want you as an experience. Come on, Jesus. I don't want you as a religious activity. Come on, Jesus. I want you like the dye in my clothes. I want you like the pores of my skin. I want I want you like the blood flowing through my veins. I want you like the flow of my mind. I want you, oh God, to I want you to come up on, come up on, come up on. Oh, Jesus, what would that do to me? What would that change about me? What would that alter in me? What would have to go? What would I have to take on? What would take place, God? I want to risk it tonight. I want to risk it. Whatever you want to do, God. Hey, break me. Smash me. Strip me down, God. Hey, mess up my life, Lord. Explode in my living, God. Upset my comfort zone, Jesus. Hey, don't bring me peace. Bring me disrest until you can get through to me and bring to me what you want. Yourself. upon. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce everything in my life that I rely on. But you. Make me blue all over it's about are you are you satisfied are you are you pleased are you content with the way he flows in and through and possesses you. As you look at verse eight, are you are you? Do you rel- do you give forth with a sigh of relief, saying, "Oh yes, that's where I am"? Or do you want to say with me tonight, "Oh God"? I want to crawl into the depth of this one, God. I want, I want to be in the heart of verse eight, God. I don't want to preach about verse eight. I want to experience the fullness of who you are. Upon, upon. And all the stuff, God, I've developed in my life, all the stuff, God, i work so hard on skills and all this talent stuff and all the memorization and all the, oh, God, it's all okay, but, oh, if you could get in the middle of it, come upon, come upon until nothing matters but you. Come upon until I'm blue all over. Come upon until I'm filled with you. Come upon, Spirit of Jesus. Come upon, come upon. Well, what happened tonight, oh God, if we had a board that was, oh, you have come upon them in a new and a fresh way? Oh God. Forgive me, I want to seek again tonight. I must have his fullness. You don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand the problems I've got. You don't understand what's going on in my home. You, you don't understand my, about my kids. And you don't understand the complications. See, if you knew, you'd say, oh, he's going to have to have the Holy Spirit come upon him. It's the only chance he's got. See, I've got, you don't understand the complications of ministry. You don't understand the proclamation of the word. Come on, I've, I've only got one chance, man. I got to have the fullness. I got to have double fullness. I got to have, I got to be blue all over. I can't, I can't, I just, I'm not gonna make it with, unless he comes upon. Alders open. We're going to have moments of
0: prayer. You want to seek with us? I don't know about you, but I want to be soaked and saturated with the reality of Christ, the truth of Christ in my life. I want to be conformed to his image. I want to be blue all over. Well, I hope this sermon was just a rich blessing and encouragement to your life. Again, thank you for listening to this episode. And if you like show notes for this episode, including information about Stephen Manley and his ministry, I put links for those in the show notes, which you can find at deeperchristian.com forward slash 291 for episode 291. And until next time, know I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you and I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.